You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the Seminole Nation? It's your favorite host of your favorite podcast, Locked On Seminoles. I'm Max, and with me from an undisclosed location, just kidding, it's Tallahassee International Airport, I got Drake. Dude, how's uh, how's the airport? Uh, the airport, the airport's great. They told me to be here two hours early to check in my luggage, but unfortunately, no one's going to be here for another hour to actually at the desk. So right now, I am just sitting here with my finger up my butt so that's a fun time but before we you know start today i want to give a late happy belated birthday to you know your boy jordan travis who turned 21 yesterday at a boy jt um i hopefully you weren't at the warehouse last night but i know you were so well done buddy glad you made it to 21 i can't imagine life for a florida state football player really changes when you turn 21 in the city of tallahassee though no, I mean, we're talking about he's a responsible young adult. We're talking about he's always, you know, staying inside, doing his homework, you know, staying away from all the bars and clubs. What are we talking about, man? He probably, he probably had his first, you know, real night out in the town last night. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure after he threw for, you know, four touchdowns or whatever against Jacksonville State, he started getting ID'd all the time. Like, I'm, I'm sure the, the bouncers yeah, were really strict with him. He, so. he's, he's a better man than either of us, man. Come on. Well, all he has to do is go grab who's its ID from the basketball team, and he's fine. <laughs> Anthony Polite. Anthony Polite. Yeah, grab Polite's ID and you're good, buddy. So happy birthday, JT. Good to hear it. Uh, no joke, folks. Drake really is in an airport right now. You know, I forget that. Uh, I mean, I don't anymore because of COVID, I guess. But, you know, when you used to travel for a living, you you travel a little differently. And when you have to do it on your own dime, it's, uh, yeah, you got to do things like get to the airport two hours early. Uh, imagine there's no concierge to meet you to take your bag for you. It's a tough life, man. It's a tough life, but we're excited to see you in Tampa this week. Glad you're coming down. All right, so let's talk sports. Uh, first, I want to fill our listeners in who probably listened to our Monday episode. The baseball team did come back. I mean, they weren't losing, but they weren't winning. They did come back and beat Troy 4-2. to two. I, I stand by all of my comments. Look, it's a disappointing series. This team got absolutely white hot for like – three or four weeks. I mean, we were hanging like 25, 30 runs a weekend and to only put up, I think six, com- no. Yeah. Six combined runs against Troy or maybe seven, maybe seven, four, seven, three and yes. zero. Yeah. 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 Four, three, zero. That's disappointing. And it's, it's, it's not unlike, you know, it's funny. It's a lot like my golf game, right. Where you can't all, like nothing ever seems to click at the same time. Right. If my chipping's good driver goes to heck. If my driver's great, my short game's horrible. I mean, last week, I think I had like two drives over 300 yards, humble brag. But in the first nine holes, I had like 28 putts. So do the math on that. Like I was averaging a three putt. So you just, anyway, that's this baseball team. You know, they they strike struck out 17 batters in, in the game on Saturday that almost matched the school record of 18 but they just can't get the bats off the shoulders that weekend. I, I don't know. It's frustrating. Yeah, baseball is a really, really fickle sport. I know you guys don't like that excuse, but, you know, it's that's the running joke that I always have on Twitter whenever my professional team loses. Like, I say that baseball is a sport when we win. It's not a sport when we lose. So why should, like, why should you care? But the thing is, I mean, we're, we have won seven out of our last ten games. We haven't lost a series in almost over a month. And I'm, all, I'm just about that time where it's like, 
we're going to lose to teams like this, which would be, we didn't even lose. We only lost one game. We didn't look as great. Our pitching, I've always said, is going to take us, you know, as far as we can. And right now you've seen with Parker Messick and Grady both having career starts, career years right now at this point. And I honestly don't care personally about this team until probably how we see against Notre Dame, who was ranked actually number two by Baseball America. And I'm honestly more concerned that I want us to get hot at the right time because yeah. a team that gets hot like way too early, especially in baseball, will not be able to go, go that far in the College World Series. So to me, I'd rather, you know, have those little bumps in the roads this far out and then close to the tournament time. Now I'm with that, man. I'm, I'm glad to hear you call out my Notre Dame. So you agree with me that Notre Dame is going to be a good yeah, I think, I think that, barometer, that, if you will. Yes, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, the, the, the locked on Seminoles, trademark pending, copyright, trademark, copyright, trademark, uh, litmus barometer. The litmus right barometer, folks. We're making up science while we're here. We're going to test the, uh, the air pressure for acidity or something like that. I did learn something, though. When I looked it up, because I was curious about our conversation, they don't call it basicness anymore. They don't call it like acid and base. It's acid and alkaline. So it's it's alkalineness. So now you're up to date on science terms. But yeah, I, so, I think. So what do I what do I call my exes then? If I can't call them basic, they call them call them alkaline. alkaline. Okay. Yeah, they're very very alkaline. They're like a seven, I think, is what it goes up to. Yeah. So let me let me say this though with baseball. I as I ruminated on it because you're right. Look. You're going to lose some splitting a series two one. That's a 66% win percentage that weekend. That's, that's not bad. You know, you win 66% of your games all year. That's a, that's a heck of a year. I was really bothered by the lack of offense, but I also think that this was the first time where I'm really looking back on the weekend going, okay, like we're the real deal on the mound. So if that mound performance can happen with the bats, we saw like three, four weeks ago, this team could be really dangerous in the regional. The problem is if we see, I'm sorry, I cut you off, but you know, you know, where I'm going with this. If we see the pitching we saw against Miami like three or four weeks ago, and we see the bats we saw this weekend, we're not getting out of the regional. So it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. That's the problem with baseball too, which is like you need both to click at the same time. Unfortunately, there's always one thing that's not clicking either. You have really good pitching Ruth, a really good bullpen and then your bats in the hitting, but then your bats start hitting, and then your starting pitcher can't go out of the fourth inning as you're down eight to five. So to me, I think we're gonna be if we need to find that middle ground. I we don't need Parker Messi to literally strike out 13 batters. We don't need you know Matthew Nelson to hit two separate bombs, and we were winning the, you know 14 to three. What we need is that you know typical five to two, you know four to two, four to one kind of win where everything across the board is consistently solid. Yeah. That to me, what this team can do that. I think we will do that. And I'm actually very stoked for this next coming week. Agreed, man. That's that's what we want to see here. The low scoring, but relatively uh, unchallenged wins. I think back to four years ago, you know, that was probably, correct me if I'm wrong, I think four years ago was probably seniors' best shot to win a title. You know, that team didn't have a lot of hype. Blitzkrieg Georgia in the Super Regional, went down to Louisiana, I think they won the first one against LSU, but they again peaked too early and their regional and super regional. They just scored all these runs and, and they ran out of steam. So I think if Tyler Martin can keep doing his thing, keep getting RBIs, keep playing small ball, the pitchers can play good defense. I guess you don't really call a pitcher. They're not defense, but you know what I mean? Our pitching's good and our defense is good. I, we could be in a good spot. So I, I am... I am cautiously optimistic pending what I see in South Bend this weekend. That's the perfect word, and I think it's the right mentality for all listeners right now to take with this team. And, folks, speaking of the right stuff, uh, have you met a lady 
that has the right stuff. I don't mean a few of the components. I mean all the right stuff. Well, if you have, you're probably going to ask her a pretty important question. I know with COVID, a lot of people have been compressed, you know, to spend a lot more time with their significant others. So maybe that decision deadline has been uh, been expedited a bit. And if you're in this group or you just want to get your mom something bright and shiny for Mother's Day or your significant other just likes rings or you're a woman that doesn't need a man and just wants to buy them for herself, y'all got to check out 1010. It's a capsule collection of diamond rings. They're responsibly sourced straight out of Botswana. And the cool thing about these is all the design masters are females. So guys, if you want to buy something for your lady, get something designed by women. And ladies, I don't know if you like men's designs or women's designs better. I'm not going to assume because it's 2021 and you know what you need. I'm just talking to the men that don't know anything about diamonds. So go to bluenile.com. Check it out. It's the 10 by 10 collection only on BlueNile.com. Go check it out. And your significant other will thank me later. Let's uh, let's move over to football a bit. We did our post-mortem on the draft. Um, you know, again, interesting draft, interesting contract details for Marvin Terry. Uh, Terry's contract details, you told us, were released Um you informed us were released yesterday. And folks, we won't bore you with the details. Drake is the sports lawyer in the building. He knows all this stuff. But basically, Terry's contract is very low to very high. Like if he performs well, he could make what, like two and a half million bucks over three years. If he doesn't make it out of camp, he'll make five grand. So I think Terry's always been an underdog. I think he's got some great tools. I think that's going to motivate him. And I'm excited to see what he does in the Pacific Northwest. But let's do what we are now allowed to do a sports personality streak. Let's let's put on our looking goggles and let's let's peer down the road further than anyone should be peering. And let's go ahead and talk about the 2022 draft. Now, I don't need to talk about what's going to happen draft weekend, but who on our team do you think has the chance to really make themselves some money this year if they perform? To me, I think we have to look at, you know, the core group of guys that we have affectionately dubbed as the Immortals. The Immortals, yep. And to me, the number one on that list is Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson was a five-star recruit, you know, coming out of high school. He unfortunately had to go over to JUCO, where he was on the TV show, was the last chance you at an independent community college with Coach um, Jason Brown. Then went to Georgia, then came over to us. And to me, from all accounts right now, he's apparently the dog on that, de- on that defense. And also now he has to go against not SEC offensive tackles, but AC offensive tackles. So there's definitely a drop-off there for his skill set. He has great bend. To me, he can definitely work his way. If Joshua Kando can get drafted in the fifth round and if Janarius Robinson can get drafted in the fourth round and between the two of them only had three sacks last year combined with Kando having zero, to me, that's a name you watch out for in the second round. And that's probably the number one person I can definitely see making a huge impact on the field and also improving his draft stock. Do you think that Mackenzie Milton can make himself any money this year? Or do you think that he's probably going to go where he's going to go and he's just playing defense to not lose money? I don't I personally would not draft McKenzie Milton. Um I think that's there's a lot of, there's a there's a lot of solid quarterbacks that you can definitely get, like, draft in this draft. To me he's he's going to probably be that like that undrafted QB that comes out for insurance, maybe he like, has a flyer somewhere. I personally think he, he's one of those you know, those college QBs that can perform well on this level, but this is it for him. This is the end. I can see him more honestly down the road as a coach as you saw with Dylan Gabriel over UCF. 
So to me, I think right now he's just playing, I guess, you know, he, he might think he has a chance on the next level. I mean, he, he might, but in my personal opinion, I don't think so. Well, yeah, I mean, but it's kind of like that old Daniel Tosh conversation, right? Where like, if you can play three years as an undrafted free agent in the league as a backup quarterback, he'll be like 26. He'll have made a million and a half dollars over three years, which is like, like his career, you know, so imagine, I don't know what he's studying, but for me, I just allow me to go down this rabbit hole. I always think about that. Like go make a million and a half bucks, go get your MBA somewhere. And you're just like every other MBA student who worked for three years Except now you've got one point that you're going to spend some money, but you could probably sock away like four or $500,000 of that money. That's your seed money for your startup idea. That's like your first investment portfolio. Like, you know, so it's not a bad, I, 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 oh, I, it's, I it's not, it's not, but like, it's also, I mean, if he does play those three years, which I mean, me personally, from what I've seen with players that have a much higher skill set, they don't make it that far. Because if he hits those three years, he qualifies for the NFL pension and all that. And it's notorious and known that the average lifespan in the NFL is three point, I think, two point nine years for the threshold. But if he does get that three years, then you know, hey, I can definitely see him do that. Maybe become a GA somewhere down the road, and maybe go back to UCF and do that. Because I, all I personally do see him as a kind of Scott Frost type, plays really well in college, does really, you know, does really, really well. Tries the NFL maybe for a year or two, does not succeed there. Goes back to college and actually goes back to his hometown, goes back to or his uh, home school in UCF. That's where I see him ending up eventually. What do you think about Coop? That's the other name that is rattling around in my head when I think of people who maybe there isn't as much chatter about, but probably have a lot of upside, like in the measurables category and scouts, you know, if they perform, may give a hard look at it. How do you, how do you feel about him if he has a great year on the field? If he has a great year, well, the thing about like him having a great year is that he's a defensive tackle. Defensive tackles, like to me, typically are not the per- people that um, they don't go for the pass rusher. Vince Wolfork is arguably the greatest defensive tackle in the history of the game. He played for 20 years, has 16 total sacks. So to me, if he has a great year, that means that J- uh, Jermaine Johnson on the other side has a great year. Kier Thomas on the other side has a great year. And then I want to say it was a Demarcus McClendon on the other side as well will have also a solid year. If he... I'm not going to bet against him because every year he came in lighter than he ever has been before. He has lost, I think, a total of 75 pounds since he got on campus. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's trench monster for a reason. If he has a solid year, he could make some noise, but I don't see him also going back to past the third round because I, after this past draft, I don't think you see the value on defensive tackles as you used to because you saw Derek Brown go last year to the, to the Panthers in the top 10. And we didn't see our first defensive tackle go until, like, the late 20s. And you saw what happened to Mark, too. And you saw what happened to actually even better defensive tackles as well. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, well, I think a lot of it, and again, this is just me, the non-expert filling in the blanks, but I I said this about Marvin, our group chat. I think his biggest knock is the pass rush, and you're right. Defensive tackles aren't expected to, but in the modern-day NFL, I think there is sort of this move away from the big hole filler because they're going to more, I won't say spread concepts. They still run pro-style concepts, but you need people up front who are a little quicker, a little faster, not as much just, hey, clog the hole. And I don't know. What, what do I know? But that's, I mean, I mean, hey, that, that's, that's if, right if he can work his way up to a fourth rounder, I mean, that's, hey, that's good money, no, man. I mean, that, yeah, that's good money. I mean, but you're not incorrect in that statement because, like, if you look at the highest paid defensive tackles, typically speaking, it's not highest paid on the actual payroll for the team. Unless you're Aaron Donald, who is literally a freak of nature, you put in every side of the damn ball. You're not going to get that sort of thing. That's what you, I, if I'm a DT, I look at Eddie Goldman's contract that he recently signed. It's not top tier money, but it's very solid, you know, veteran money that you get with the high guarantees. 
and that's what he is. He's a he's a hole filler. He helps with the running. He, he makes the defensive ends play better. And to me, that's kind of like the, the that to me is the top tier of what defensive tackles should strive to be in the NFL. And if we can have that on our team this year, we're going to be in a good spot. I mean, seriously, we just need someone. We need disruption up front. I guys, I'm a bad podcast host. Drake's in a in a uh, in an airport, and you're in your car as you hear this, so you can't fact check me anyway. But I would I remember our havoc rating, which is how much disruption do you create in the front seven, was extremely low last year. We need people that can just cause problems, just just cause problems, disrupt, because we can't keep letting teams run what they want to run and then try to react to it. We have to be offensive on defense in the sense that we're making them play what will work, not just letting them pick what they're going to play and then going, well, we'll tackle the guy once he catches it 12 yards downfield. But real quick, before we go on, I want to talk about causing disruption. If y'all have something in your car that's causing disruption, be it a flat tire or blown headlight or even something a little more major, and you decide, hey, I'm going to save myself a little bit of money and I'm going to go fix it. Well, you're going to need the right parts. And in today's world with so many makes and models, and sometimes they use different parts on different editions of different makes and models, it's exhausting. It's hard to find parts. You either have to speak that language on most websites, which uh, most of us don't, or you have to go to an auto parts store. They go in the back. They've got their little Hogwarts looking library. They type it in the computer and you hope that one has it. And if they don't, you got to go across the street. And if they don't, Got to go across the street again, down a couple blocks. And look, it's a pain. You don't know if you're getting a great price. It's it's all around, just not a good time. So save yourself that hassle. Go to rockauto.com. Y'all know I'm a big fan of working on the old Jeep, although uh, maybe getting rid of her here in the next couple of weeks because the market's crazy and I'm way above water on her and actually have a ton of equity. It doesn't matter, but go to rockauto.com. It's a great place. They organize it incredibly easily. You go to your year, your make, your model, what you kind of part you need and boom they hit you with it so go to rockauto.com fix your car save a bunch of money don't forget to tell them locked on sent you and as always thank me later and if you're not sure you're going to be able to fix your car and your wife's like there's no way you can fix that yourself why don't you tell her to put her money where her mouth is that's right a little friendly wager between husband and wife never hurt anyone and if you guys need a platform to serve as an intermediary for when she later tries to renege on what the actual bet was and scam you out of your money, well, go to betonline.ag. I can't guarantee that they'll have odds on you and your wife's side wager, but I can't guarantee that they'll have odds and props on nearly every single type of sporting event you could imagine. Heck, if you call them up, they might put some odds on it for you. So I don't know about custom odds. Don't hold me that, but when you're betting on the MLB, the NHL, the NBA, horse racing, boxing, MMA, whatever the hell Jake Paul's been up to, go to betonline.ag and use promo code Locked On. They'll give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You put in 200 bucks, they'll give you 100 for free. Put it all on Floyd Mayweather and watch him knock out Jake Paul. Boom. You just made 300 bucks. So do that now. Betonline.ag and thank me later. And speaking of thanking me later, Drake. Nice. I <laughs> see what you did there. I wish I had. Oh, I almost had. I almost had the. I almost did the triple axle of segues. I got us to the ad. I got us to the next ad. Boom. I was going to come back and I had nothing that I, that you had to thank me later for. Oh, told you about Silver Airways. 
direct flight Tampa to you, Tallahassee. You did. You did. Thank you for the heads Took up. You by down the way. to Nick's Toggery, got you some suits, folks. This is not an ad. Anyway, uh, it was our fraternity advisor, Mike Gavalis, Nick's Toggery. You need some suits in Tallahassee. Boom. Go to Nick's Toggery, the one downtown. Go to my boy Randy or Vic. They'll measure you, they'll hook you up. You got it. So let's 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 keep going with this trend of um of way too early to talk about things because I I think the question on everyone's mind is when are we going to stop being Stephen Glansberg at lunch? When are we finally going to get rid of this ridiculous triangular I don't even know what to call it where we're losing to all three rivals every year and why is it this year and who do we beat? We're beating Miami, folks, and I'm not just saying that to blow, you know, air up his butt. But the thing is with Miami, we play them, I think, the first week in November. I don't think De'Ara King comes back this year unless he he suffered a pretty, pretty bad knee injury in a bowl game against Oklahoma State. Their backup quarterback, I think, is – it's not a coach pair. He transferred to Florida Atlantic over to be with Slick Willie Taggart. They might be starting Tyler Van Dyke, who's a freshman, which – Is he related to the uh... – classic stage performer turned movie star dick van dyke uh by his pocket presence maybe because he does not stay in the pocket for much longer at all period because he has a little the scary pete and twinkle also, toes twinkle toes not only that they've also lost a lot on defensive line i think nasa silver i think might be coming back but i'm not sure gregory Rousseau was just drafted and if you guys remember him he had four sacks against us two years ago their offensive line i know sorry their offensive line their offensive weapons their wideouts are they honestly have a worse case of the dropsies than we do, and that's my personal opinion. That has a lot to do with their development under Coach Dugans while he was there, and Brevin Jordan is gone. Now, I think that's the best chance for us to beat one of our rivals. Florida, I'm not sure yet, honestly, because if they do start Emory Jones, we have a better chance to beat them. I'm not highly, I'm not that high on Emory Jones. He was number one on Willie Tiger's board, and I don't mean to keep taking shots at him, but he's not the best quarterback evaluator. He had Quinton Flowers, and that was the one big thing that he was very lucky on that made his career so far. And they have AR-15, Anthony Richardson, who might be a solid quarterback. I personally like him a lot, but I don't trust Dan Mullen to make the, a good decision when it comes to picking the right quarterback to start the job. So, to me, it's Miami. Yeah, buddy, I'm going to tell you what I used to tell you in college. You take as many shots as you want and don't feel like you have to apologize. But I kind of agree. I think Miami's the more likely one. I want to say Florida, but for me, Florida is a um, – they're a bigger question mark, right? Like, I don't know – they're losing – a the vast majority of their offensive production. They're losing a quarterback that sneakily put up darn near historic numbers. I mean, I think he's like second in a lot of season records behind, you know, the guy that's now going to go play tight end for the Jags. And then, you know, Kyle Pitts. I mean, I, they, I think no, it was a huge blunder, but a, a first round tight end, probably the best tight end to come out of college since Aaron Hernandez. Oh, yeah, no, like uh, Kyle Pitts to me was probably the second best player on that board. I just wouldn't have drafted him if I was the Falcons. I'm with y'all yesterday. I listened for yesterday. Yeah, I should have won Justin Fields. But they also lost Kendarius Tony, who to me is not a great wide receiver. But when he has the ball in his hands, he is special. To me, he has the Devin Hester quickness, the cuts. He's a playmaker with the ball. Like he, To me, he's the closest thing that they've had since, since Percy Harvin to a dynamic playmaker. They lost Trevon Grimes, another player that as well. He didn't get drafted. I personally don't understand why as well and he probably had the best hands on the team so you lose three of your primary pass catchers and you're going to rely on Justin Shorter but we the thing is with Florida we don't know what they have it's a lot of question marks with Miami I've seen some of these players play and yep. I don't think they're particularly good 
I also don't trust Manny Diaz to be a head coach of anything. And I think that Rhett Lashley also should have left last year because that was his best chance for a head coaching job. And I think to me, if you simplify an offense too much, you're going to be very predictable and that's where you get screwed. And that's why I think we'd be Miami this year. So I, I completely agree on that. You said it better than I would have said it, but I'm going to say it my way anyway. Listeners, don't cringe. Don't steer in oncoming traffic. I'm sorry. This is my honest opinion. Dan Mullen as a play caller will always scare me. I call him Dopey Dan, but he's a good offensive play caller. So it's phenomenal. I don't know what kind of weapons they're going to have out wide. Uh, I don't expect much in the trenches from them, but I also firmly in my heart of hearts believe that Manny Diaz is a worse football coach. So I am very confident that he's, they could have the best team in the world. He'll find a way to screw it up. So I'm, he is like one of the few head coaches where like, I hope his contract gets renewed every year. If we have to take a dive against Miami once every four years to like, you know, every time he's like on the hot seat, just take a dive and then we'll beat him for the next three, you know, like keep him there. Cause I don't trust him with good weapons. So with that kind of depletion, I'm really, I'm thinking we beat him. And again, I think we beat Florida this year, but I don't know about dopey Dan. I mean, the guy's not good at much, but got a hot wife and he knows how to call plays. So as long as those two things are still going, I, I'm a little worried. What about Clemson? You know, I know this isn't a season preview episode, but um, is, I is, feel is, like, is, that, is, that, is that a serious question about us beating Clemson? No, not beating, not beating. I'm saying I think this might be the year. So we've had three years, and I know we didn't play last year, guys. I get it. But we've had three years where Clemson could have written their score on a napkin, and just that would have been what went on to the scoreboard. Any number they wanted. I mean, we had freaking Dabo's son catching touchdown passes out there. I mean, that's just not – it was embarrassing. Do you feel like this year there's any chance that we at least put up some sort of opposition, like at least say like, you know, you can have my wallet and phone, but can I get my main credit card out first? Like any kind of opposition. I think I'm going to give you a law school answer. It depends. For me, I think if we actually play well, and I think actually we have a really, really good chance to beat Notre Dame week one, primarily because they had four of their top offensive linemen, their starters from the same offensive line that was ranked number one at PFFs. Number two was Georgia, like 10 points below them. It if was ugly. Beat- it was like 94 for Notre Dame, like 83 for Georgia. It was absolutely absurd. And uh, yeah, I can burn the Miami Dolphins got that's your that's an all pro, that's all pro uh, offensive tackle. But the thing is, with that, if we win that game and we just shell off all those undefeated wins, I think if we go into that game against the in depth valley against Clemson, I think that we actually have a chance to keep it within two scores, primarily because I do like DJ Uwangalele, but I don't think he's the same caliber as Trevor or Deshaun. I think he's a little bit better than uh, than was it? What was the, the, the Kelly Boyd. Bryant? Kelly Bryant. Oh, Kelly Bryant. Yeah, Kelly, yeah, Kelly I, Bryant was after Taj. I thought. Yeah, it, it was after Watson. I think in between Watson and, and Lawrence. And to me, I think we have enough for that because watching the Clemson game against Ohio State, their DBs aren't good. They were cooked immensely by the wide receivers. Our obviously wide receivers aren't great, but I have a lot of hope in this Parthman kid that's coming in. Destin Payson is going to be a stud. I, you know, we love Joshua Burrell and Malik, Malik Clay. I think our, our freshmen are going to play a lot more than Ontario Wilson. Even though I love Keyshawn Helton, I don't think he's going to play that much this year either because I think it'll be overlapped. And their wide receivers outside of Justin Ross, I'm not particularly scared of any of them. I, but I, do I think we'd be competitive? 
yes, I think this might be the first year that actually we can kind of pay attention past the first quarter. I think the Notre Dame game is so important because you 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 took my answer, but for a different reason. And I like when that when we have that synergy, but but also divergence. I think if we can go into that game with a decent record and we can have buy-in for Norvell, I think Norvell and Dillingham are smart enough where they can at least do some Fugazi stuff and make us look competitive, even if that team is a lot better than us. Like, I don't think they're going to let another Louisville situation happen where it just runs away. I think they can chew clock when they need to. They can get a couple gadgety trick plays in, put 14, 21 points on the board, and at least have enough to say, all right, again, we didn't get curb stomped. We just lost the fist fight. And if we can do that, I mean, if we can – if we can beat one of our three rivals and look competitive against the other two, folks, I know you don't want to lower your standards, but just be realistic with me for 10 seconds before you scream at your radio. I think that is a huge turning point in the free fall that we're in right now. I mean, if we if we go one and two against those three teams in our combined combined margin of loss is like 35 points. I know it sounds like a ton, but average of a 17-point loss to the other two – I think that's a, that's that's turning a huge corner, in my opinion. Yeah, we have to win at least one rivalry game this year. Uh, my personal opinion, I think we need to win at least six games, and that's only going to happen if we beat one of those three. I don't like considering Clemson a rival personally, but for cases of the past five to six years since since the Jimbo era ended, they are a rival because they compete with us with the ACC, and now that they're, they're a rival. They're they're, 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 the, they're the ACC darling. Uh, with my like, and to me, it's Miami, especially because we can we need to compete with a lot more for, with South Florida kids. And I think we end up in a lot more of these battles with these South Florida kids with Miami. So to me, that's more important of the three. And I also want to put this out there. If we do beat Notre Dame and we have actually have an eight win year next, this, this coming year, Kenny Dillingham is not going to be here. I think he's going to go for a head coaching job. And I think that's going to be the one big turnaround we have, we see. Yeah, I think that's probably right. And that would be interesting because I like Dillingham, I think, but I think if he leaves, Norvell would really have the opportunity. If he leaves on good terms because we just had a great year, I think we'll see what does Norvell want. And I think that's when Norvell really, in my opinion, would bring in a Kendall Bryles type and really elevate himself to the CEO, relinquish control of the offense, have it still be some of your concepts, but you've established yourself for two years. You've had some good wins. Pay someone a million bucks and you go be the CEO. Oh, see, I think we do it in-house. I don't think you bring anybody in. I think you think promote, so? I think you bring in uh, promote Atkins. Atkins was okay. the running coordinator. I think it was it at uh not Tulane, was it or no at uh, at um Carolina in the Carolinas. Where was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot coastal. Where was, he. was he at Coastal? No, it wasn't Coastal. I forgot I, I forgot the name of the coach, but yeah, I he was the running coordinator there. And Unreal. to me, that's and that to me, like Norvell, you saw with Kenneth Gainwell getting drafted, he makes running backs. And who will who better to you know understand that kind of dynamic with playmakers than Alex Atkins, your former run game coordinator, which he does now as well. And that's what's gonna be that's gonna be the case. So Charlotte. Charlotte, thank you. So Florida State fans, be prepared. If we have a great year, you're gonna lose Dillingham. But I'm not gonna be sad about that because I do love Dillingham as well. I think he's good at his job. But some sometimes, man, you got you know. You but that's you what get, you, you get that's that's what you want. And I am I am of the belief that greatness begets goodness. Meaning, if you send if you turn people great and you send them on to bigger and better things, you're going to get someone else good and turn them great. You think Alabama gives a crap when their offensive minds leave? No, because they know they're going to bring in another great OC. And 
you know, then Norvell, if, if he can get Dillingham a head coaching job, and then, by the way, you're right, Atkins was at Tulane as an assistant head coach before Charlotte. But if, if he promotes Atkins and then Atkins goes on to get a great job, well, then he's got his pick of the litter for that next line. You know, now coaches want to come work for Mike Norvell, and that's huge. So I don't want to get too down the train. I, I want to probably continue this thread tomorrow, folks. We've got to wrap it up for today. But, uh, yeah, I love talking about the triangle of disappointment that is the, uh, the rivalry games and the future of Florida State. Drake, close us off. One word after this conversation, how are you feeling about the future of Florida State football right in this moment as you sit in Tallahassee International Airport? One word. That's the silence tough. is deafening. That's, that's tough. Um, I'm going to say reserved, and I think reserved is the proper way for me because I am optimistic, but I'm also – I need to see more from the staff, especially when it comes to recruiting, especially when it comes to consistency as well. I know you guys talked a little about the recruiting committee yesterday with the decommit as well. So I think reserve is the right way to take over the staff because it's a it's a wait and see approach for me right now. But so far, I think we're trending in a right direction. That was a very judicious answer from you, Drake. I really appreciate you uh, putting your heart and soul as an attorney into that. And with that, folks, that's going to do it for Locked On Seminoles. Thanks for stopping by today. Let me do my obligatory. If I don't know you, I love you. Thanks for listening. If I do know you, I love you. Thanks for listening when you could just call and hear me jabber for free. Not that you pay to listen to this, but thanks for listening, y'all. Seriously, we do this for you. I'm really happy that I got to join you for your Tuesday. I cannot wait to join you for your Wednesday. Uh, We have a really fun night tomorrow. This episode will release later, but we're actually sitting down with one of the coaches uh, tomorrow night for FSU men's lacrosse. So if you didn't know we had a lacrosse team, we're going to talk all about that. It's a club, um, but it'll be cool. I know that sport's really taken off in Florida, so we'll publish that conversation in a week or so, but just giving y'all a little preview. So with that... I'm your host, Max. With me, as almost always, I had Drake, and this was Tuesday's edition of Locked On Seminoles. Take care, everybody, and see you next time.